Turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 8. The reading tonight is from Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 40. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candice, queen of Ethiopians. This man had gone, gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, Go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to slaughter. As, a lamb is, as the lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? for his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water, why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and travelled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. In Acts chapter 8, well done, read from Acts chapter 8 tonight. So basically we're reading about the story of the Ethiopian eunuch. So who was the Ethiopian eunuch? Well, he was a high court official of Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. Probably, in our terms, the chancellor of the exchequer, the man with the money, well, in charge of the money, a very important man. He was in Israel to worship the Lord in the temple, which means he was probably a Jewish proselyte on his trip home to Ethiopia. And he had a life-changing ch life <coughs> encounter with Philip the Evangelist, which we just read. So what is a eunuch? A eunuch is a man who has been castrated for the purpose of trusted servitude in a royal household. We can see that in Esther 1, verse 10. In Daniel 1, verse 9, it speaks there, Daniel and the prince of the eunuchs. This was to ensure that these men did not engage in sexual activity with others in the palace, specifically the royal harem. So the thing is, Philip got to go. And this morning we were speaking about Gideon. Gideon got the call to go. And tonight, some of us here might get the call to go and speak to someone. But Philip was willing to go. So the story, Philip was one of the seven original deacons who had just preached the gospel in Samaria. We we'll read of that in Acts 8, verses 4 to 8. Philip is visited by an angel who tells him, you know, God 
opens the doors of opportunity for us as individuals and as a church. But we have to respond to these opportunities as sometimes they are only there for a short period of time. And if we won't respond or don't respond, then others will. You know, God often opens up works and, and does works in the most unlikely places with the most unlikely people. <clears throat> I just want to share a couple of stories tonight. I can't live my life without my stories. But I, since I've joined Gideon's International, you know, I've been so challenged, I've been so blessed, that, and I've felt the freedom and leading of the Holy Spirit. So I have to tell you, a few weeks ago, we're in the house and we're waiting, and for those of you who were at the prayer meeting, I apologize, but we're waiting for us, say, man to arrive, Sainsbury's delivery van. And this man comes anyway, and he came into the house, and <clears throat> he came with the messages, and he came early, which meant he got time in his hands. So, what an opportunity. But the opportunity would not have arisen, need I say, unless my dearest wife, Anne, hadn't offered the man a cup of tea. So the man came in and he sat and he said, oh yes, I'd love a cup of tea. Well, he sat down, we started speaking about things and all of a sudden he started taking the Lord's name in vain and I'm going, oh my goodness, God. What am I going to do here? What am I going to say here? <clears throat> so the man's then sitting and was speaking away, but the way he was using the Lord's name, you know, it was cutting me in the heart. But he was, it was just like, God bless you. And the man told me how he was a merchant seaman and he turned and he looked and he, in the conversation he looked and he saw the picture of my ex-fishing boat in the wall, the one which you've all heard about many times, I nearly lost my life in. <clears throat> and he said, oh, you were a fisherman. I says, aye. I says, you know, when I was in that boat, I was a fisherman. And the man's name was William. And I says, William, now I'm a fisher of men. And he looked at me, and then I told him. I told him how God had come into my life. I told him how Jesus had saved me and changed me. And that night, in that boat, how he saved me physically as well. You know, as I was speaking to him, I told him a story about a lady down in Bucky. I'd been down to Bucky the previous night speaking at the Ladies' Guild. And this lady was there. And this lady had lost two sons at sea. And sometime later, she lost another son who fell into the harbor and was drowned. And two weeks previous to me speaking down there, this lady, her only daughter who was left alive, died. I met that lady and I spoke with her. And I could not believe the way that she was carrying on in her life. And I thanked her for being there that night. And I told this man how this lady... She just shone for the Lord. She said, everything that happens to me, I take it from God, and I just trust him for all that's to come. And as I spoke to him, I told him, you see, I was speaking to the ladies last night from Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And if you're here tonight and you're going through a troubled, a hard time, turn to that psalm. It's such a help, such a comfort. You know, the great thing was, as I was there in the house, I'd been through earlier, good Gideon, always one in your back pocket, and I took the testament out. 
And I said to him, William, come here and see this. And we leaned over this worktop, and I had the book in my hand, and he was there alongside me, and we were both with this, reading God's, I was reading God's word to him. When I looked, the tears were in his eyes. The most unlikely person. William went away with the testament in his hand, and he said he would read it. And we as Gideons hand out God's word to people, and we say, this is for you. This is between you and God. But this tonight is between you and God. So each one of us here to know how we stand before a holy God. You know tonight, if you've come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you know if you haven't. But as the gospel goes out tonight, there's a fresh opportunity. So we're back to the story. Philip hears the call. And he's told, arise and go south. In verse 27 of the passage that Darren read, it says, arise and go south to a road, the desert road that ran from Jerusalem to Gaza. And just like Abram, he went out knowing not where he was going to end up. Philip didn't ask why. He just went in obedience, trusting God for what was to come. And as he travels along the road, he sees a man sitting in a chariot, reading a book. Philip runs up to the chariot, and he runs up and alongside, and he speaks to the man. And this man was reading from Isaiah 53, verses 7 and 8. No mistakes with God. You see, when the Holy Spirit moves us, we need to react. Sometimes he wants us to run. Sometimes he wants us to walk. Sometimes he wants us to stay still and do nothing but trust in him to do the work. You see, it was on the desert road that God spoke to the eunuch that day. Not while he was in the temple worshiping. God can speak to people at any time in any place, when and where he wants to. You know, we can despair of our children, our grandchildren, that they haven't come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But God can speak to them at any time he wants to and who through whoever he will use. So the eunuch is wondering, who Isaiah is speaking about, himself or someone else? <clears throat> 53, Isaiah 53, uh, verses 7 and 8. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before the shearer is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. Speaking of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. The eunuch is wondering, who is this man speaking about? Himself or somebody else? In verse 35 of chapter 8, which was read, we read there, then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. 
I heard the story in a program I was watching one night. This man was a drug addict. He got, well, he got called into a, a gospel meeting one night. There was a man asked him, would you come in and hear the gospel? And he came in and he heard, he came face to face with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ for the very first time. And that man was gloriously saved. And you know, sometimes people can live in church their whole lives. And they can hear God's word, they can recite God's word. But if they haven't come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, then they're lost, headed for a lost eternity. This man had never heard the gospel. But he came in and he heard the gospel. And he accepted what he heard. And he repented of his sin and he asked Jesus to come into his heart. And he went out from that place that night and he knew nothing save that Jesus can save you. And he went on to the streets and he met people and he said, Jesus can save you. He couldn't tell them anything else. He didn't need to tell them anything else. The Holy Spirit will do the rest. When the opportunity arises, will you, will I tell them, about Jesus. In verse 35 of chapter 8, it says, He preached unto him Jesus. So Philip uses this opportunity to explain the passage. This was a prophecy about Jesus Christ, who was to become the Savior of the world. As Philip, Philip explained the word, the Ethiopian believed. I want to ask you all here tonight, do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Is he your Savior and is he your Lord? <clears throat> so the Ethiopian eunuch read and now he received. When the, when the opportunity arises, will you, will I tell Jesus, we've said it already, God speaks to all kinds of people from all over the world, every different color, every different creed. And we need to pray for opportunities in these days for the Spirit to lead and to guide us. To give us the right words to say and the way to say them. I go back to one of my old Gideon poems. Lord, lead me to some soul today. Oh, teach me, Lord, just what to say. Friends of mine are lost in sin and cannot find the way. Few there are who seem to care, and few there are who pray. Melt my heart and fill my life to win some soul today. Another wrote, You talk about your business, your stocks and bonds and gold, and then all worldly matters, you are so brave and bold. But why are you so silent about salvation's plan? Why don't you speak for Jesus and speak out like a man? You talk about the weather and crops of corn and wheat. You speak to friends and neighbors as you pass along the street. You call yourself a Christian and know the gospel plan. Then why not speak for Jesus and speak out like a man? I'd like to tell the story of Jesus, wouldn't you? And help some other person to know the Savior too. I'd like to travel onward 
until I hear him say, well done, my faithful servant, I could use you today. I say this to myself before I say it to you. Another story from my Gideon experiences. In Madeira this year, well, no, at the back end of last year, we went out there eh, for a week's holiday. I didn't really want to go, to be quite honest. I went to please Anne, and our brother wanted to go there. We went with him and his wife. But you know, sometimes we don't want to go places, but God can use us in that place. Two days before we went out there, we heard the story of a woman, a young woman, age 42, who had died there. She was out in one of these Levada walks out there, and uh, it goes out into the country. Very high walls, <coughs> containing water inside, and a big drop on the other side, 100 meter drops. This woman had slipped off and was killed. And as we were in the hotel that week, we became aware that perhaps uh, our husband or whoever it was relating to her was in the hotel. So the night before we left to come home, we went into the lift to go down for our meal. And the door opened in one of the floors and this young man stepped in and he started speaking to us and he said, are you enjoying your holiday? And we said, oh yeah, we're having a great time. What about you? Oh, well, he said, I've come for a different purpose. I've come to uh, take my sister back home. My sister died here two weeks ago. We're waiting for her body or ashes to be released. <coughs> Excuse me, I've said, I'm so sorry. We heard about your situation and we have prayed for you. So as we came out the left, he went and he spoke to a few young men who were standing there. We carried on to the dining room. And uh, just as I got there, I felt, I really felt the Lord say to me, go and get a Gideon Testament for that man. So I went up the room, got two Testaments. I came back down in the lift, told on, go on and get a table and whatever. <clears throat> and as I came back down, the man was gone. Lost opportunity, I thought. But I stopped and I prayed briefly. Lord, if you want me to speak to this man, you'll have to organize it. I can't do anything about it. We were leaving the next morning. So the evening went on, went to bed, got up in the morning, had a shower, shaved, you name it. And I, I felt this urge to go and pay our bill, to square things up. I thought, well, if I get down early, I'll get there first when I was standing in the queue. So Gideon puts two testaments in his pocket, walked down the stairs, well, no, to tell a lie, into the lift, down, down, down we went. And when I got to the foyer, there was not a soul there, nobody, not one person, just the lady behind the desk. So I paid the bill, thanked her for everything, turned to come back up. And every time we were in the hotel, I always went to the lift because it's a hilly place and we're walking a lot. So I thought I'd save my wee legs into the lift. But you know, that morning I decided I won't go to the lift. 
I'll go to the stairs. And as I went to the stairs, the young man stepped off the bottom stair. And I just looked at him and said, Oh, I'm so glad to see you. I've been looking for you. You know, there's no mistakes with God. No mistakes. His timing is perfect. His timing is perfect for every one of us here tonight. And as I spoke to the man, I explained to him, I said, look, I'm in Gideon's International, and we, we take these testaments, and I should have one in my pocket, but I forgot they're in the car. <clears throat> we hand out this as God's word to comfort you and to strengthen you and to give you guidance in your life. And, you know, he put out his hand, and he said, oh, thank you so much. I said, what's your name? My name is Charlie. He says, Charlie, you need to read this word. Psalm 46. I've written it inside. For comfort and consolation, read Psalm 46. And I gave it to him, and I said, what's your brother-in-law's name? He says, it's not my brother-in-law. He says, it was my my sister's uh, <coughs> partner who is with me. He said, what's his name? He says, his name is James. I says, well, would you take this and give this to James and tell him it's from a Gideon? We hand out God's word, and we never may see the people again. We never hear of them again. But sometimes we go into the Gideon magazine, and we look, and we see that people have reported back to the headquarters how they opened a testament, and they read God's word, and God's word has spoken into their heart, and they've been saved. I spoke to a young man in church this morning, and he said how his friend, when he went to university, he said, you know, he said, every time, he, you know, he was in any sort of trouble, he would open his testament and he would look for a, somewhere to read for encouragement. That, that encouraged me today, Graham. That encouraged me this morning, a young man here. But the thing is, you know, that God's word is here for each one of us to read. So we're back to the story. We leave these two men in God's hands and for the Holy Spirit to work in their lives. So here's the eunuch. He's just accepted, received everything that Philip has told him about Jesus. Do you believe, do I believe, everything we read in God's word about Jesus? Well, it's all true. Because it's God's word. Everything we read in this book is true. Inspired by God. And God uses it to the saving of precious souls. And God uses it to encourage his people. So in verse 36 of chapter 8, we read there. And as they went on their way, they came into certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? What caused the eunuch to say this? Well, you know, it was the moving of the Holy Spirit. Philip says to the eunuch, If thou believest with all thine heart, you may be baptized. The eunuch says to Philip, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Do you believe tonight that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? 
I hope and I pray that everyone here does. So belief comes first. Baptism comes next. I met a young man upstairs here a couple of years ago, and I was chatting to him one day while we were at coffee, <clears throat> and asked him how he was getting on. He said, I'm getting on fine. I'm getting on good. I'm reading God's Word. And he said, I th I'm thinking about being baptized. I said, and when did you get saved? Oh, he says, I haven't been saved yet. Baptism will never save anyone. Someone once said to me, you Baptists only baptize adults. No, I said, we only baptize believers. As I said, baptism will never save a person's soul. A preacher once, I heard preaching once said, you can go to hell with baptismal waters running down your face if you are not truly saved and born again of the Holy Spirit. You see, baptism is only an outward sign of inward cleansing. Perhaps there is someone here tonight. And although you're born again, believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you've never been baptized. You know, it was good enough for the Lord Jesus Christ to be baptized in the Jordan by John the Baptist. If it was good enough for him, then it is good enough for us to follow in his footsteps. To publicly declare that we have our faith and our trust firmly grounded in the Lord Jesus Christ and we want to serve him for the rest of our lives. So Philip agrees to baptize him right there and then. And as they come back up out of the water, the spirit takes Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again. The King James Version says, caught him away. So he hears the good news. He receives the good news. And in verse 39 of chapter 8, And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, <clears throat> that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. You know, one of the greatest moments in a person's life is the moment that they come to faith, a living faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. For me, there's never quite been a moment like it in my whole life. The joy of knowing sins forgiven. The joy of burdens being lifted off your back. Of your sin confessed. And you've left your cell, laid your cell before a holy God. You know, the thing is that there may be someone here tonight, I don't know, and you've never come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know if you've heard of the ABC of salvation. You've heard God's word tonight. You've heard how Jesus came 
and died on a cross to save you, to free you from your sin, and to wash you white as the driven snow. So A, we have to accept God's offer of salvation. And B, we have to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And C, we have to confess our sins to God and confess Him before men. The Ethiopian eunuch sat in a chariot, reading God's word. He was a seeker. Is there a seeker here tonight in this church? You've been seeking out the ways of God. You've been seeking out how to get saved. No, there's a needy, hurting world out there. And they need to hear about their Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus, don't leave this place without asking the Savior into your heart and into your life. I often say when I'm speaking, there is only one life. It will soon be passed. And only what's done for Christ will last. You know, Christ is the answer to our every need. Christ is the answer. He is a friend indeed. Problems of life my spirit may assail. With Christ my Savior, I need never fail. Because Christ is the answer to my every need. And to every need of every person in this place and even in the world tonight. You know, there's a lost world out there that needs to hear about Jesus. Our last hymn we're going to sing <clears throat> is, O love that wilt not let me go. You know, I checked up this afternoon. This hymn was written by a man called George Matheson. Born in Glasgow, 27th of March, 1842. He was one of eight children. He was the brightest. At 19 years of age, he started going blind while attending Glasgow University. He had an incurable condition that led to total blindness. He broke the news to his girlfriend who he was going to marry. And the girl turned and said to him, I do not want to be the wife of a blind man. Some years later, when he was 40, and totally blind, on the night of his sister's marriage, or the night before his sister's marriage, he suffered severe mental suffering. And this hymn was the fruit of all his suffering. He says later, <coughs> excuse me, I had the impression of, some, of having the words dictated to me by some inward voice rather than working it out myself. The hymn was completed in five minutes. Five minutes. But you know, if you're here tonight and you're not saved, the work of salvation can be completed in one second. If you come to Jesus and you repent of your sins and you ask him to come into your heart and your life, 